Welcome, I'm Larry Olson, and what's on your mind? Once set, it delivers your life. To change the outcomes we want, we must change the plays we're running. Join us at Mindset Playbook with real people, real talk, for real insight. Today's episode is sponsored by Apernio, an achievement acceleration company whose approach to professional development enables clients to gain insights and perspectives to live, work, and engage with more success. Well, welcome everyone to Mindset Playbook, and I've got some really exciting information for you today on one of the most successful individuals in the the state of Arizona, and you'll find out what profession that is as we get further into this. Um, Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you've taken some time now to listen and get insights into the successful people in lives, as well as those that have had some challenges along the way, but have persevered and found the plays necessary and the right mindset to succeed in any endeavor, which is what we're all more than capable of. And if you're a high achiever already, we're going to take you to another level. And if you'd like to break through some of the stumbling blocks that you found in your life, you'll find insights to that for that today as well. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Bobby Lieb. And before we get into the interview, I'd like to give you a little of Bobby's background. He played college baseball for Arizona State University and Coastal Carolina University in South Carolina for two years, where he also graduated with a marketing degree. After college, he started working for his dad in a private nightclub in Phoenix called the Jockey Club. They had 2,000 members and had many celebrities and athletes frequently in their club. They sold the club on Highland in 1985 and opened another club in 1988 to 1995. Now, this will come to mind for most of you. Waiting, the movie Waiting to Exhale, starring Whitney Houston, Angela Bissett, and Forrest Whitaker, was filmed at their club. Bobby got into real estate in 1992 and has been selling now for almost 30 years, mostly in north-central Phoenix, Biltmore, and Paradise Valley's areas. He has sold, now listen to this, over 3,400 homes in 30 years. HomeSmart has 7,000 realtors in Maricopa County, and Bobby has been the top realtor in sales volume for the past 10 years. Welcome, Bobby, to Mindset Playbook. What are some of the biggest learnings for you after your experiences from the nightclub business through your amazingly successful real estate career? Well, you're switching gears, a whole different career. Um, the club, everybody was partying, having a good time. I was more of the entertainer, making people, sure people felt comfortable and wanted to come back. Now, all of a sudden, and when I had the first club, it was great because I was in my 20s. The second club, I, we just, I just turned 30, had our first kid. And I realized I don't want to be in the bar business anymore because it was tough. I mean, it wears on you. The hours wear on you. The lifestyle wears on you. And the top uh, realtor in the Valley, Mark Moskowitz, who I've known I known probably for about 15 years before, said, look, I'd love for you to come work with me. I'll be your mentor. And I knew I didn't want to go work for a big company. I, I knew and I just felt like real estate made sense. So I. What was it you didn't want to work for a big company? 
Because I don't listen well. <laughs> I think, you know what, I, I mean, I just, you know, I, I work with my dad. Or you dad. don't take instruction well. Probably both. Okay. But yeah. Okay. You know what, it's just hard because I worked for my dad and it was one-on-one. And, and when you work for your family, it's not very easy. But I like the independence. And I, I also liked, the thing about the club, I had set hours. I had to be there a certain time, leave at a certain time. I had... 30 employees that I had to take care of and some nights a thousand people in the club. Wow. I really did not want to be in, in a, a business that I had all the supervisors over me because I just didn't feel it was, I was going to last in that. So the real estate deal, the independence, having a great mentor felt like it was the right thing for me to do. Wow. That's great. That's great. Well, I got to tell everybody that um, we recently put our home up on the market and um, there's a lot of realtors, as you just heard in that, just with HomeSmart, it's over 7,000, that um, we could have selected. <clears throat> and I'd, I'd gotten a, I'd met this man years ago. Both of our kids are at uh, Brophy. And um, I didn't like him at the time. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, and, you know, he was very outgoing, very warm, very friendly. And uh, so I had him in my mind. And then when we decided to put our house up for sale, he came to mind. And he'd also been recommended from some dear friends of mine. Um, but what we experienced in this market was uh, beyond my expectations because it's definitely a seller's market. And that being said, what have you found different than you've seen before in all the years that you've been a realtor in this market that we're in right now relative to trying to find a house. First of all, I want to address the fact you didn't like me. You're not the only one. So <laughs> you fit right in. You don't have to like me to hire me. So I'm okay with that. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, Cause I, again, I've been doing this 30 years now and we, when I first started, I was more being tutored by somebody. Then I went on my own, stayed at realty executives for a little while. Then we came across the short sale foreclosure market which was a nightmare. That was from like 2006 to 2011. The difference there is if you're selling a million dollar house and it's worth a million, but your neighbor next door got foreclosed on or short sale, the appraisers have to use that as a comp. Mm. So you never got your true value. That was a tough market to deal with. The banks were all, you know, basically we're selling all over the valley, but there was no control. We were giving people money that had not, uh, been foreclosed on, and they were still giving them ten thousand, so they wouldn't destroy the house. So now, turn to the market now, where we at? I've never seen anything like this. I mean, we all thought when COVID hit, right in March and April, the world was going to crumble. And I was because I, I, as you said, I, I'm outgoing. I like to deal, and, and nobody was calling me for a week. And I'm going, I better look for a new career because I just did not know what to expect with COVID. But about two weeks after everything started to implode, um, and I've always been a listing agent predominantly, I started seeing people back in that again. I think part of it was the government was starting to help people a little bit. And also I'm seeing people from California where they pretty much just now reopened in New York, just now reopened. They're coming to Phoenix because it's just so much cheaper to live. And more importantly, with COVID, we're seeing people that realize that they don't have to be in offices anymore. They can work out of their house. So what I was seeing, which I, I guess I kind of laugh about it. I'm watching mom and dad saying, look, we can't fly now to see the grandkids. We can't fly to see our kid. Why don't you move back to Phoenix? You can operate 
you know, we'll buy you a house, we'll help you buy a house. Kind of like blackmail, I think is what it's called. <laughs> but it got the p- kids to come back to town. And, and I think that really, especially in North Central, because you've lived here for a long time, as I have in this area, and most of the people in North Central are been here for a long time or uh, growing up in the area or coming back. So that was pretty neat seeing that in our area, people were coming back to live here. And that, I think, was a start of the gangbusters and the values and stuff. Hmm. Hmm. So what would, what, what are the, it, what's the advice you would give to something who's trying to get into this market to buy a house? Uh, patience. And, and patience. I, I actually got interviewed a couple of days ago on TV and I kept saying, that's probably my worst virtue, <laughs> but you have to be patient because we, uh, the other day we had on, on TV, a, a gentleman that we had literally had 10 houses. He made 10 offers on deals, very competitive market. Um, he was offered, he was in the $600,000 range and we couldn't get a house for him because it was getting outbidded. People were coming in paying cash and he didn't have the cash to do it. Um, they were giving all their rights away, like inspection. Uh, they were giving away, if they didn't, uh, appraise, then they would have to just pay the difference. So, it's it's crazy. So you just have to find the right time and be persistent. And this is not a time in, in our industry that you give up. If you give up, being that competitive uh, baseball player that I was and I hate to lose, I just eliminates the people who, who quit, and that just gives me a better opportunity. But it's mm. probably something I've never seen before. I'm enjoying it because we're, we're making having some sales. Yeah. I don't enjoy the disappointment of some of our clients not getting the house they want. You know, that disappointment, I, <clears throat> it used to be you would look for a house and you'd find something that you were enchanted with right. or something that had some applicability to the needs that you had. So it was more functional than right. it was, you know, romantic. I would I would think that that's something that you advise people not to do, is not to fall in love necessarily with that, that home and find one that you can work with because their chances are, unless you got all the bucks – you're going to miss out on it. No doubt. The, the only way you're going to get the house you want is if you build it. Okay. Because I think right now um, you're going to get like that. My, my friend or client with 10 houses, he first started in Tempe uh, in East Valley. Then he went to Scottsdale where all his young friends were. It came into North Central, which is the place that was more affordable. So he never envisioned himself being in Central Phoenix. Now he loves it. But it was not his first choice. And I think that's what people have to realize. You're probably not going to get your first choice of a house. I just had another client. We just closed on a house with them the other day. They lost two other deals, and they were in the million five range. And we got outbidded people because you can't compete against, I want to call it stupid money, or people who just have deep pockets. They don't care, or they're just desperate to find a house. They're willing to pay whatever they want to pay. And that's kind of what we're up against. So it's just... There's no, it makes no basis. There's no credibility. Um, you get what you get. It's almost like you're settling. You're settling, especially if kids are in a particular neighborhood that they have to go um, live in that area. You know, like the people that are buying your house, they, they want to be in school in this neighborhood. That was important. This wasn't, yeah. not, not to make you feel bad, your house wasn't their first choice. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but they had two other houses they got outbidden on. Then they fell in love with yours. So, it's really, it's an area that means, if, if, if the schools are the big important thing, you've only got a certain select area that you can move into. If you don't really care, then you could spread yourself all over the valley. But schools, especially with families, 
are usually the first choice of why somebody picks a neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, but their kids in mind. Right. <laughs> ours, uh, yeah. You know, I have a question for you. Um, what fantastic insights we are getting into in this episode. If this resonates with you and is provoking and of value, please consider the best-selling book of Get a Vision and Live It by your host, Larry Olson, at Apernio.com. His book has been an inspiration to many of Mindset Playbook's guests, and you'll find everything you need to live the best version of your life now. The results you'll get will absolutely amaze you. Find the book at Apernio.com in the shop. And now, let's get back. You won't want to miss what's to come in this episode of Mindset Playbook. You are in a business with a lot of ups and downs and a lot of uncertainty. Um, nobody knows if it's the right time to buy or if it's the right time to sell. And when they're doing it, it always seems like the wrong time. Right. Um, we were fortunate. We were on one side of it. We'll ultimately be on the other side <laughs> right. of it as well. But it's a resiliency that you have that keeps you successful. Where do you think that came from? Go back to you, you being a little kid. Right. You know, were you a powder? Were you a whiner? Or, or were you kind of a guy that, that was a, a leader already? Or, or what did you see about yourself that you felt um, kept you pursuing? I think for me, uh, it was sports. Um, I know my, my dad moved out to Phoenix uh, when I was 11. And um, I, I lived with my mom and my brother in Atlanta. And I think baseball really helped me because – I is the first time I'd ever because like with my poor kids, I coached them 300 games a year. I think and oh got in trouble for that. Yeah, <laughs> child abuse, adult abuse. <laughs> but I didn't have that. I didn't have anybody pushing me. So hmm. I had a couple of good friends of mine whose dads. Um, I guess they liked me, even though initially you didn't. But they liked me, so <laughs> they just You'll never said, let yeah, me live that down. I won't let you live that down. No, no, I'm going to hold that against you for a long <laughs> okay. time. But you know what? They said, "Hey, why don't you try baseball?" And I didn't know anything about it, but I really mm. started to learn the game and like the competition. And as I started to get pretty good, I made made little league my first All Star my first year. I started to realize that I enjoyed the sport and I thought I could be good at it. So I worked hard at that. And it got to points funny that I teach a class every uh, couple of months. And one of the things I talk about is I coached my daughter uh, and her friends in, in T-ball when they were like seven or eight years old. And we're playing in, in actually, the, I mean, it was first grade. We were, we're playing first grade softball in Rams. And I, I really... I knew this one girl on our team was not that good, so I worked on her. I worked on her and said, hey, here's how you catch a ball. Well, we lost the game because she dropped two fly balls during the game. And here just 25 years later, or 40, when I'm, I'm teaching this class, and I'm saying I'm still upset because I lost that game coaching 20 years ago. And some of the people who never played sports think you're really not a nice guy, <laughs> which maybe I'm not, but it was all about winning. I mean, I, I really, whatever I do – you know, I, I'm not obnoxious about it, but maybe I am, but I, I don't want to lose at anything. And that sports, I think, taught me that. So I really started seeing it as I started getting better. Um, I made all state in Georgia, came out to play at Arizona State, and then I saw what it really took for the major league. But I went back to then to Georgia. But ever since I got out of, uh, quit playing baseball, even when I started playing softball, because that's what old people do when they don't can't play <laughs> baseball anymore. 
I just, I mean, some of these guys would take it as a joke. I came out there to win, and, mm-hmm. and, and I wasn't out there. I mean, people, some of the guys would come in jeans, and those of us that have been disciplined playing, I just. How I think come I had winning to, is, do you think, is so important to you? I, I just think, um, for me, just what's embedded in me. I can't, I can't define it. I think it goes back to saying I just hate to lose. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's if it's I like to win or if I hate to lose or maybe it's equally both. I just feel like to be good at whatever you do, you have to have passion in it. And, and I think for me, winning that listing, winning that sale, getting your listing. Um, but I just I, I and if I lose a listing, I'm finding out a way to get two more. So I think that's mm-hmm. where sports background helped me into real estate. But I think it's a little bit of both. I, I, I love to win, but I hate to lose. So maybe okay. it's kind of a balance of the two. One of the greatest challenges we all face is not getting what we want. And what can happen to many people is they settle for less. All right. You, there's something about you that we can all learn from. And it's how you dealt with loss. You didn't like it, but it didn't stop you. And let's kind of examine that a little bit. What do you think if you're if you're if we're assisting everyone that's listening as well as myself um, on on how what 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 you experience when you experience a loss, and then what is your reaction to it? Okay. If you if you kind of peel that onion mm-hmm. a little bit, I think uh, let's let's go back to baseball. Okay. Um, I pitched in, in high school. I pitched in college, and. When I lost, and especially if it was because of me, whether it was or wasn't, I took it personal because I felt like I let my teammates down. I felt like um, I, I just didn't do what I normally will do. And for whatever reason that I lost, I meant the next day, the next, I made sure that that wasn't going to happen again. So it's almost like getting back on your horse, although I don't like horses, got bow legged and I might get hurt. <laughs> but I think it's just, a, um, you just find a way in my gut to say, you're going to fail. I mean, you're going to fail at something, um, but it's just how you deal with it. And I just felt like with me, um, that competitive playing sports or and it helped me in the business world that I just don't want somebody. And, and you, look, I've lost listings. Uh, I've lost a brother, my parent. Mm-hmm. You know, you just, you just got to find it's going to happen. It's going to overcome. People can be around you. And and solace you and tell you, hey, I'm sorry, but you've got to have it in you. If you have it in you, to say, you know, it's just part of the bumps in the roads that it's not. You're going to have those hurdles, and it's how you overcome so, it. So you almost had a perspective of that's part of it. Having setbacks, failure is part of the trip to success. It's, yeah, but I didn't. You know, you don't expect it when it happens. Okay, right. <laughs> it's how you deal with it, yeah. and. You know, I my, I lost my brother. At a, uh, I was I was just started ASU baseball. Mm. And was he older and younger? He than was you? actually younger. Somebody um, he got murdered, and I get a call from my mom trying to make the Arizona State baseball team. Get a call that my brother you know had died, and here I'm trying to make a, a college team, and finding out that I see my mom you know to lose a kid. That was probably the one of the first because I'm I'm only twenty eight. Well, how old was it? I think I was eighteen, a, f- a freshman in college. So that's a pretty young age. What happened to him? Hey, somebody broke in his house and shot him, robbed him. Yeah. Oh, for yeah, heaven's yeah. sakes! And they never found the person. And so then the the hard part for me is I had to leave my mom. I had to go back to Atlanta, 
bury my brother, come back, and then make the Arizona State baseball team. Jeez. And to wipe all that out. And, and people Did don't Did you get understand. a chance to grieve? Not really. No? I really didn't. And because now I'm coming back to a strange area. I'm not back in my home to grieve. I'm coming back trying to make this team, and the people I'm competing against could care less what happened to me. Maybe they feel bad, but yeah. they're also trying to make the team also. Yeah. So you really don't. I had my dad out here who really, you know, he'd been divorced from my mom for almost 20 years of time, so he didn't know how to deal with it. I almost had to do it on my own. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, if I would have could have afforded therapy back then, <laughs> I probably would have gone. Th- but I really think, again, sounds corny, but sports kind of helped me overcome the loss of my brother and making the team and, and making new friends. You don't forget, I still, 40 years later, mm-hmm. have forgot that. But it's just having a something to venue or to lay, uh, lay it on the line and, and let it out. And I think the, 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 that sports part helped me there. So it, it sounds like that um, not letting others down is is a is an important facet in your in the ability and of of how you deal with with life. I think that's part of it. Um, mm-hmm. I do care about other people's feelings, and I, and, I, and generally I like people. You know, I think that's the thing. I, I'm in a people business. Uh, the nightclub was in a people business. People were a little messed up when they came in, but you still know how to do it. Now I'm doing a little more. They were in much people. better shape when they <laughs> much left. Much better right? shape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But you know what? Um, I think part of it is that I like being around people. And it's not, you know, I, I, I watch, I'm watching some of the people in my industry now. And I don't want to knock the younger generation to have young kids, but they don't, they don't know how to uh, really communicate. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm watching because I watch, you know, go back 20 years ago when we used to go out to dinner. I'm watching kids playing with Game Boys. There never was any communication with the family. And I think in, you, you see that when you're in the business. They don't know how to react to certain things. I mean, I, I guess because I grew up hungry. We didn't have anything. I grew up, I don't want to say on the streets because I sell but I didn't have, I didn't come from anything. So I had to earn what I earned. And I think that hunger to succeed, um, I just really wanted to be, I wanted to be the best that I could be. Um, and, but again, nothing was given to me. And I think that's the thing that I feel like I rewarded where I'm at now. I earned whatever I got. Nobody handed me a silver spoon. Nobody gave me any money. I mean, it really was something hard work and putting in hours. And I mean, there'd be some times, even now, I've done this, what, for 30 years? When January 1st comes, I am up. I don't, you know, I'm not a party or so. New Year's Eve, when my wife is sleeping, I'm going, oh my God, because I got to start over again. My, my, I have no sales on January 1st. I have no commitment. I'm going, now I'm competing with everybody. Everybody's got the same numbers <laughs> I have. So now I'm kind of reinventing myself every January going, whatever you did before, some of that's great, but you got to keep in touch with these people and just always, you can't just take it for granted. You're always going to do well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, how important <clears throat> and how important is, the networking and keeping the relationships alive through all the years, um, and 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 why do you do you continue to do that? First of all, I love it. I mean, I, I, my brother is very successful in commercial real estate. He goes, "You're not enjoying life. You're working because he's out in San Diego for three months." And I go, "We're different, you know, people. I mean, we have the same parents, but you enjoy doing that. I enjoy because I know in my industry, he's in commercial and residential. If you're not around." People are not going to hire you. And I feel like um, my relationship with other agents, even though we're competitors, is very, very important because I'm watching people now. They're disrespectful to other agents. They're disres- Even me, who 
is near the top and these guys are just starting, they don't care who you are. They're, and you don't do that. You don't burn bridges because when I first started, I hung around all the, the best and the best. I absorbed them. That's back when we all used to ride in cars together. Um, I remember those days. Yeah. Now you're in two cars behind. Nobody rides together. But I observed the best of the best in my industry as real estate and watched with it. And I, I didn't necessarily have to – I mean, I, I could say I don't really agree how they did that, but they were very good at what they do. And I think that's what people need to do. You need to hang around people who are better than you, smarter than you, that's how you learn. If you come with an attitude, I'm smarter than, and you haven't even learned and having paid your dues, you're going to fail. So I think I paid my dues. I stayed as a mentee for five years with this, with great agent. But I also, even today, I'm watching the people who have been very, very good. Why are they getting this listing over me or what do they do differently? It may be because they're related to the seller. That may have something to do with it. Okay. But you know yeah. what? But I do watch at, and I never take it again for granted that I'm always going to get, I'm, just interacting with people. Um, you know, fortunately for us that grew up in the area, I, I coached a lot of the kids in the area. But you keep in touch with communication, with um, advertising, cards. People, what I found in our industry, are not very loyal. Uh, when my kid mm-hmm. went to um, a couple of the schools, I was a star realtor for three or four years when my kids were there. As soon as you leave, there's another star realtor. That, there's a lot of people that do what I do. So wait, you guys used to love me. Well, <laughs> you're not at the school anymore, and we see Billy or I Sally all the time. So you have to realize that hurts you a little bit because there is not a lot of loyalty in our industry. So you really have to – the communication. It's a little bit easier now with Internet, with um, social media to be able to keep in touch with them. And it's funny because people will say to me, man, your Instagram and Facebook are absolutely amazing. You certainly could not be doing it because it looks too good. And they're right. My wife's doing that because <laughs> I'm not good at that. But you have, I have somebody around me that makes up for stuff that sure. I'm weak at. And it's, but the communication and the interaction with people, especially in our industry, is very, very important. So you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know? as successful as you are and, those of you out there listening, I mean, he's like in in the top uh, in the country, not just in Arizona. And this is something that is has had a lot to do with us taking him on. Is I made a phone call to Bobby Lieb, and he answered the phone, <laughs> and I was literally like, "Is Bobby there?" He says, "This is Bobby." <laughs> but I go, "No, quit, quit screwing around." Is Bobby there? And I think that that just goes to say that you are so authentic. You are very passionate. That comes across very well about what you do. But also, um, you're, you're really involved in the people that you work with, the clients that you take on, because the first thing he asked was, how much do you want for your house? <laughs> and I, you know, I've been around a while and I think, well, I'll highball him. And, uh-huh. and he kind of laughed with the number. And then he got more than that for the house. And, and that's, that's, that's the market, but it's also the relationship. And um, you have been faithful. You've been loyal. You've been there. When I've called, you, re- you return back <laughs> right away. You always have something witty to say. Um, and you just have a real, a real spark and spirit to you. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you. And I wanted to ask you... <clears throat> Share with us, being the high performer that you are, you know, 
what time you usually go to bed, what time you get up, and, and what's the first thing you do when you awake in the morning, if you don't mind? No, that's, that's, that's fair. Um, first of all, I, I again, when I used to have a nightclub, I would go to bed at 4 o'clock in the morning. That's the time I'm waking up now. I have, we have two dogs, and uh, I get up with the dogs at 4.30. And it's funny, once I'm up, even though I'm, I'm probably still tired, I'm probably going to bed about 10, 10.30. Okay. Um, once I'm up, I can't go back to bed because I'm. I feel like I'm gonna. Uh, I'm missing something. So I'll, I'll get on. You know, I'll get on the internet with, with uh, emails. I'll, maybe if I had some appointments the last few days and communicate with them. And or and I have a list of people that kept keep saying. You know, maybe in a month from now, two months from now, and I'm still that they're going to get in the market. Yeah, I'm, and, and I keep emailing them, going, "Don't forget me," because I said before. They're they're not loyal, and I'm sure they're running into other realtors. Um, but going to one, your, your point you just brought up before, one thing I teach them in a class I do every couple months on marketing, I answer my phone, and I think it's very important that sometimes my one thing my dad taught me is if you want to if you have a problem or you want to get a hold of somebody, you call the main person at that company, you call the general manager, you call the boss. But what, I, what I'm seeing is some of these realtors, when I call them, you're getting their 40th person in command. And I'm not calling them. And I want to be respectful to them. They don't care about me. And, and it's fine. I want to talk to the main person who maybe has a listing. I get it. They have a team of 40 people. I want to find out from them. Like I just had a deal with somebody recently. Uh, we we verbally uh, put the offer together just by communicating on the phone. Mm. People don't do that anymore because it's it's. I want you to send me five copies. Him and I are old school. I said, "Here's what my client is going to offer. What do you think?" He said, "Here's what we want. And we put together." So the phone, to me, is very very important tool because I feel like when people do call me, and, and let's face it, they're not always the pleasant calls, and people could even sellers. Thank God it wasn't you. Could call you and be pissed off at you for whatever reason. But by answering the phone, you diffuse whatever they may be mad with you about. When you don't, it just builds up and makes yeah, it more. So I find point. I probably get two deals a month from people shocked that I answer the phone and say, I've, I call three other people. They didn't answer the phone. So I'm just a You're not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be that guy. No, because I, I, I want those lists. And I know people aren't loyal. For them to say, we don't know who we're going to hire yet, but we're going to interview three people. And I answer the phone and they hire me. That just tells me they they wanted to play one against the other, but when I answer right away, I, I you win some points. You know, you, you, you've brought this up a couple times, this people aren't that loyal. And I wanted to kind of, let's examine that a little bit, because <laughs> okay. I think that's, I think that's a, something that has is, is occurred in, in uh, the last 20, 30 years, is that people have an attitude about salespeople right. to begin with. Right. Okay? No doubt. And... And unfortunately, um, some of it is 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 justified right. that it's all about the buck. And so, if it's all about the buck, then I'm going to play that game as a consumer and see where I can get the best for my buck. Right. And so, we're we're making it about money. We're not making it about the relationship. And this is something that that you are overcoming by just the magic of communication. And how many of us have just like, you know, you mentioned about that we can become very computer literate, but not learn how to communicate with a human being, right. but we can handle the electronic really well. I mean, I was, I was on the uh, 
trail over here the other day, and there was a woman pushing her baby in the cart, and the, it probably must have been, couldn't have been more than a, a year old, had a tablet in front oh. of them. They weren't even looking at what was going on around them. And, and you know, it's unfortunate for someone to say that's old school. Right, right. Okay, and the 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 mother that was pushing him had earbuds in, <laughs> and was probably listening to some kind of a podcast uh, or whatever. Hopefully, it was mine. Your show, yeah, of course, <laughs> of course, you go. Maybe she'll take that yeah. <laughs> iPad away from the baby. Right. But anyway, and you know, and I I understand that you know having children, you like to keep them entertained because sometimes they can be a little overwhelming, right. and you'd like to have a life too. But I think it becomes systemic because. They're they're missing some learning fundamentals, right. and that's how to communicate with other human beings. Right. And you, um, you, you, and I may have not have talked to each other for over twenty years, but when we did, it was like yesterday. Right. I mean, and that that is what a real quality is, and one that you definitely have in spades. I appreciate. But let's go back to this this um, concept about resilience. Okay. Okay. Resilience is fi- defined as uh, the ability to bounce back after being bent, restructured, or reshaped. Okay. okay. And in the business I'm in, in neuropsychology, I think that's absurd that when something bad happens to you, you bounce back okay. to the way it was before that. I think it should be bounced forward to what is it that you want to accomplish. And you are probably, if you looked up Bobby Lieb in the dictionary, it would probably say bounce forward. Um, you shared that a little of that came from athletics. Right. You know, we, we put a lot of it into athletics. But I think you're, you're taking something away from self that, that if we go back now to your family. Right. Two brothers? Uh, yes. No sisters? Um no sisters. Okay, just okay, and and they were both older. Uh, my w- brother uh, is four years younger than me. My older brother was a half brother; was eight years older than me. And he's the one that passed. Correct. Okay. So growing up, you've got someone younger, someone older around you. You're paying attention. You right. can't help it. It's your environment. What were some of your early thoughts about how you deal with things? First of all, I feel like I'm talking to Dr. Crane from Cheers. <laughs> I didn't realize that. I'm looking at you going, this <laughs> – anyway. No, but I think no, this, no, is, this is fine. It's important. No, you know, I tell you what was great. Um, my mom, again, moved to Atlanta uh, when dad came out here. And the reason why she chose Atlanta was because of her family, her immediate family, my cousins. I will tell you that was amazing because the cousins always took us in, like for mm. – we we're Jewish, so we like Passover, High Holy Days. They would always include us, and I observed. I didn't have a, you know, the mom and dad in the house, so I. But everybody that my uncle kind of made me feel like I was his son. Uh, again, when I I mentioned baseball and stuff, but even the dads that I, uh, the, the, my teammates, those parents always invited me over their house. So I was very fortunate that I had great friends and great family because um, my mom, you know, we didn't have a lot. And, and But she didn't matter about money. It mattered about family. Everybody loved my mother and felt bad because she was on her own. But they took us in, and we always got invited to these functions. 
And it didn't matter if you weren't that immediate family kid, you were part of that family mm. and you never felt like you were an outcast. And I think that kind of stuck in my mind that these guys, I mean, I'm not their son, I'm not their brother. They don't see me. Everybody. We go to different schools. They're going to the rich schools and we're going to, you know, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter how much money we had. They made you feel that you were their equal. And I think that carried over to me with even today, we start, I started a charity at, at our company to help other people that, initial dealing with family and again for these friends i played ball with their dads moms come on over come over for dinner and it was like i was their kid and and that was like wow i mean so i i never really felt like i didn't have a dad because so you had guys, a good sense of worth I, amazing yeah. yeah i mean I, I didn't feel like i i was um unfortunate because my dad wasn't there with me at the father-son games but I somebody always adopted me, kind of. And so I never felt like I was left out or like the ugly duckling type deal. I felt like I was part of everybody's family. And I just, it carries over later on going, you know what? I remember how they treated me, and, and I do the same to other people. Yeah, you know, and it's it's interesting to hear that because they say the number one fear of mankind is rejection. And so we go out of our way not to be included or a part right, of it. Right. And how many times do we see adults around children and aren't engaging them? Right, right. And so what kind of message are they sending to that child? How do they know they don't have great self-worth? Because, right. you know, most little kids are challenged with that whole thing. But I think it's easy, though. I mean, in today's world, I hate to say today, but back then you didn't have all the the Game Boys and distractions. It was you're stuck being with your family. You better make it work. and I think that, for me, I, I, I guess I, I, you know, we all want to be younger, um, possibly. But I, I was very lucky that I was part of a culture where family was very, very important. And I'm certainly not a perfect parent. I'm not a perfect husband, but I did. And I really think the best thing that ever happened to me is my mom raised me. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I didn't love my dad, right. but my mom just didn't have a lot, and you never would know. We always. Felt like we were the richest kids mm-hmm. in the block, even though we live in an apartment. And that's, I did not know that we were poor. I did not yeah. know that we live in an apartment for growing up. It didn't matter because I had great friends who play frisbee, kicked a can. And we had, I had a lot of friends that lived in the neighborhood. So I guess they were as poor as I me. Mean, we didn't, we didn't think we were poor. We just, we liked each other. I think that really, again, carried over right. to later in life. Well, you, you've got a lot of wisdom, <laughs> tremendous wisdom Thanks. and insight. And I'm, I want to share something with you. You may be aware of this. When NASA was, Kennedy had said, we'll get to the moon in a decade, right? And NASA was now the ones that had to make that happen. So they put a genius test together because they figured it would only be geniuses because we've got to create something that isn't created yet. And they um, they did something like, I think it was 10,000. Um, they sent out 10,000 of these tests and only 2% were geniuses. And they hired the 2%, okay? Then interestingly enough, they took that same test, which still was applicable to, to finding the 2% out there who were supposedly geniuses based on the questionnaire. They took the same questionnaire to five-year-olds and 98% were geniuses. Fact. So... We can be talked out as we grow up of our geniuses. We can get a test back in school that doesn't say we're a genius, Mm -hmm. a D, you know, whatever. 
And people start to identify with this feedback. And it determines now how they feel about themselves, academically or athletically or whatever it may be. You are a bit of an enigma to me because you have such a great spirit and a great attitude, and yet you've had tragedy in your life. And you've had you've had failure and you've had setbacks, and yet you are a human being. You are the same species that those of us listening right. and you know are sharing together are a part of. Share with us how you would encourage others who are not bouncing back like you're able to bounce back, and and maybe spending too much time thinking about what's not happening in their lives as opposed to what is happening right. in their lives. What kind of insight can you give them if there was an owner's manual to, manual to Bobby and you flip to the page on resiliency uh, or how to handle setback, what would you offer them? You didn't tell me I was going to have to think this much. There's a, <laughs> you know, I, I think the, the main thing, and I go back to my mom raising me, is be honest. Be true to yourself. Um, you know, I I've know a bunch of people out there, I don't want to say immediate family, that they always mask everything. They they aren't totally honest what's going on in their lives. They want everybody to think everything's great. There's nothing. And I've always felt like people want to hear what who you are, mm. the the real truth. And I don't think anybody can sit there and go, "I've had a perfect life." I'm the. I, mean, I remember when we used to <laughs> not the best analogy, but we used to have when my wife and I first got married, and you have these. Uh, and, you have, and you have a kid, so you're, you're having these little deals. The neighbor, everybody's had kids, you're, and you're coming over talking about. And I remember people would always say, "My wife and I just love each other. We've never fight." And I'm going, my wife and I are looking at each other, going, "What are we doing wrong?" You know, <laughs> and it's like because they're BSing us. You know, they're 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 right. they're they're not being honest, and the rest of us looking. Why are they so? And, and guess what? They were the first ones that got divorced. Oh. But the the point being is. I just I'm not I, I'm not a good BSer. I don't hide feelings. People, my wife can look at me and go, "Okay, what's bothering you?" And I go, "How'd you know?" So yeah. I think it's being honest. I mean, I, yeah. that's the only way I can be. I can't say everybody. Why do you can... think people don't want to be honest about their feelings? I can't speak for the people. I think it. They want people to think they're perfect, mm-hmm. and I think they don't realize that being honest, showing people that you've been hurt, you've had deficits and stuff. It's, it's part of living. I mean, it's not. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Maybe they're brought up that way. Maybe you know. Sometimes people their come parents in, weren't. Their sharing. parents are very strict. The parents weren't honest, and yeah. I can't. You know, I can only speak for myself. How I was brought up. I watched my mom. My mom was a three pack smoker, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna die of lung cancer. But but you know, back then, it's so. My mom, I watched her hurt. I, I, I didn't live, you know, I, I didn't grow up into a very, you know, have butlers in the house and have people taking care. I mean, my mom was was our our matriarch. So I think I had an experience that I did not have what everybody else had. But it, what was really cool is our neighborhood, all of us lived in an apartment. None of us had it, but we all felt like we were the best of the best. Everybody, some people succeeded, some didn't. But I think the drive is just in you. I don't think anybody puts in you. Maybe, I mean, nobody gave me that drive to want to succeed, not to win and not to lose. I just know, I think, but I think the family of my my mom, including me in their deal, um, made me feel like, and, and I watched them. They, I, I'd hear them talk about negative stuff. And 
I think this is real. It's a people. It's a real person. Um, you look on TV. I mean, everything's not perfect, but I just speak for myself. I feel like people want to hear the truth. It may be the time that you don't tell people don't want to hear the negativity, yeah. but I think people can relate to honesty. And that's, I'm not, as my wife has said, I'll say it a hundred times. I'm not a good liar. She knows I'm lying. So I know not to do well, that. Well, you know, but, you were uh, very honest with us uh, about the house and about what we should deal with and what we shouldn't deal with. Right. And you kept it real simple. And I thank you for that um, because it creates a trust. And I think that's what a lot of people miss is they can't be trusted right. when they can't be who they are. And it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy to and be And you know you when are. they're lying. I it, mean, you it, can tell people if, if you've been around yeah. a while, you know. Or you, yeah. f- you feel imperfect around them right, right, because right, right. there's nothing wrong with their life, <laughs> yeah. right? The golden boy and girl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um so I, I I wanted to get into more about who this guy Bobby is, um, because not everybody is in a position right now where they're going to buy a house or they're going to sell a house. And I'll still talk to them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but I, uh, how, what's the best way for people to to um, to get a hold of you if they're if they are in a position where they want to buy or sell right now? Uh, probably. I mean, I, I answer my phone. Okay. I, I won't answer right now because I'm talking to you. Um, I'm at 602-376-1341. My email... Why don't you share that one more time? People are going to laugh. Okay, Again, the phone number is 602-376-1341. And my email is bob, B-O-B, Lieb, L-I-E-B, at AOL.com. Now, I know you're going to make fun of me being AOL. That's why you wanted me to say that, because you want to laugh at me. And you know what? I know I'm not the only AOL person. People can do the ring, ring, ring. But you know what? I am not an internet savvy person. I know how to open it, but I, I, I surround myself with people that make up for my inadequacies. But you will get their house sold. I will, right? I'll answer the phone. I will answer the <laughs> yes. phone. Yes, I'll try. Yeah. Yes. All right. <laughs> um, you know, I'd, uh, I want to wrap things up. This has been very enjoyable. Thank Went you. by very quickly. And, um, <clears throat> and just, just ask you how you would kind of like to wrap it up with the listeners about what you value now most in your life after all these years and the success that you've had? I think family. I mean, I think, you know, we, I've got um, two kids. Uh, it's kind of cool. Uh, neither one of them have gotten married, but watching them do what they're doing. My son's doing commercial real estate. My, my daughter uh, used to work for me. She's a sports psychology major. So I think, you want to feel like you've had some kind of impact with them. I know my son still blames me for his uh, – he ended up playing college football because dad ruined him playing uh, 200 games a year in baseball. But um, – and, and we don't quit, son. We, we don't quit. Yeah, we got one more one more inning, one more curveball. Um, anyway, so – and I think truthfully um, – you know what? And I, this may sound weird, but I've watched a lot of friends of mine – now I'm 65, which sounds weird, but I feel like I'm young, get divorced. Mm. And I don't want that happening to me. I mean, it, to me, I don't want to be alone, um, you know, 10 years from now. I want, you know, whether I mean, we're going to have our battles. Even today, my wife and I, you know, still argue and people go, you guys look like you. No, no, guys. It's it's a real world. I mean, there's yeah. always something. But I think to me, it, it's, it comes back to family and, and friends. I mean, I, I've got some Really, really, really good friends that all will we're honest to each other. I've got some other friends that don't really care about what you're doing. They just want to be telling. But I think it's the 
four or five really good friends. We pick up the phone and go, I just had this happen to me. What should I do? Those are invaluable because yeah. even clients and, and other people, they don't want to hear about your negative stuff because they have it going on. But your friends are really all you can turn to and, you know, wife and, and kids. But I think that's important to have somebody that when you do get down, because you're going to have bad days. I mean, not every day is a good day. We all know that. Sure. So you need somebody that you can call and say, you know, this just happened. I need just to blow some smoke. And if you don't have somebody that you can release the negative stuff, I feel sorry for you because you need to have a sounding board, yeah. whether it be family or friends. And I know people say, oh, I've got hundreds of friends. Okay, but how many really do you know them that well? Do you spend that much time? I don't need hundreds. I like three or four good friends that we play golf together. We forget about the real world for, for three or four hours. Um I may, yeah. you know, kick his ball in the woods and make him, but it's fun. You know what? I have, uh, I, and maybe I'll talk some smack wise, but you know what? That's, it's three or four hours that you forget what's going on. And then yeah. you get back to the beautiful. Bit. I think the family and friends really are the big deal for but me. But you know, you shared just a, such a powerful point right. too, and all of that, many of them, but one in particular. And this was something that I'm glad you said is that you're not afraid to ask for help. Right. And how many people will not do that? And so they're left within their own mind trying to deal with all of the issues that are going on when there's, it's so much easier sometimes just to like give it up right. and, and share it with someone. But I think a lot of that, Larry, comes back to, I didn't have a father that raised me. I'm not jumping on father's case. Right. Some, da that era of dads, you have to show you're tough, you're a man. You can't show your feelings. And maybe because my mom raised me, I didn't have that blockage of you can't be your boy, you can't sit here and tell people how you feel. My mom, I, I just didn't, I felt like I was blessed that my mom raised me, that I didn't have any restrictions put on what I could say and not say. Yeah, beautiful, yeah. beautiful. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You thank too, you. I appreciate it. Thank Thanks. you. And thank all of you out there. And in here, because we're in your head, we're not out there, are we? <laughs> and uh, while we're in your head, I just want to share with you all how grateful we are that you uh, tuned in. And if you want to do some recommendations or, or review, that was it, yes. <laughs> um, but most importantly, remember, this is the good news. Wherever you are, you are exactly where you need to be right now. And the good news is you have a choice. And if you don't like what's going on, you know, choose a new reality. And then take the steps and ask for help if you need it. But recognize that we're there for you. You need someone to help you with your house situation. Bobby is definitely the guy to call. There's nothing arrogant. There's nothing pretentious about him. He's all humility and a lot of fun. So <laughs> it's been a joy having you on. Thanks for having me. And uh, we look forward. You'll hear some music in the background while Walker shares who our next guest will be. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we ask that you please subscribe and share with your friends and associates. Larry's next guest is Brian Gregory, founder and CEO of Admanity, which is turning the advertising world upside down. If you've ever wished that a professional ad agency would coach you about your brand, but found out you couldn't afford it, you're going to enjoy this show. His own quote says it all. You can't sell your brand to the world until you know what attracts the world to your brand. You will love this one.